Friends, welcome to another episode of Inquire Inside. My name is Landon Wietrich, and today we have another open discussion with me and the boys, Eric and Kyle. Among the many topics in this conversation, you're going to hear Eric and I argue whether Liver King is natural, Kyle shares some advice on how to approach the current housing market, and we ask the question, when does continually wanting more become wrong? I won't be on at the end of the episode, so make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram, at Inquire Inside. I hope you enjoy today's open discussion. Thank you for tuning in, and we're going to jump right into it. So, Eric, Kyle and I had this thing where when we find a good workout song, we send it to each other. So we have a, we, we've, we've done that for quite a while, and then since we lived together for a little while, we got a pretty good idea of each other's taste in music. But like, I don't, I don't really know if I know what you listen to, like, and especially like for workouts. What's your, what's your music of choice? I don't know if that should be public, but. Science <laughs> <laughs> harp. Miley Cyrus, <laughs> science harp. <laughs> um, no, it depends a lot. I mean, NF, right? Or yeah, he's a Christian version of Eminem, I would say. Yeah. Um, the music itself, I feel like, from his songs, um, is enough to like, yeah, get me going to get a good pump on or something. But yeah, um. One that used to get me pumped up. I haven't listened to it for a while, to be honest. But 300 Violin Orchestra. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's literally orchestra music, but it'll... I mean, I could see Landon getting ready to, you know, try to get some personal record and listen to it, jam into it. I mean, it's been a while since I've heard that. Um, yeah, that's a that's an OG band right there. Yeah, that's by... Who is it by? Jose Quintero? I'm not even sure how you say the name. Um, but it's just orchestra music, like strings and, and yeah, some, some very, very epic. Okay. Very epic music. So like a Marvel movie soundtrack. Well, any more, that might be a little different, but I, I know what you mean. The, that music can be very stimulating. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, Lana, we've had this conversation before, how much music can affect your your mental mindset in the gym. I mean, when I flip on like certain songs, it's like all of a sudden I have 20% more power. Oh yeah. You know, for that song. It's, it's incredible how much music will affect you. Doesn't David Goggins say that listening to music while working out is cheating. I feel like I heard that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't remember if it was him or yeah. Someone I remember was saying that they refuse to listen to music when they're working out because then when they're in the real struggle, whether they're running a marathon or whatever, it's like they're missing a piece. Sure. But I'm like, whatever, I'm not taking it that serious. When I competed in my powerlifting meet, I, um, of course, I listened to music while I trained. And then at the actual competition, I would wear my headphones. And other lifters do this too. I would wear my, lift, my headphones basically right up until the lift itself and then I would just take them off but like while I was chalking up and everything you could that was kind of your your pump up moment where you had to listen to whatever you wanted to and then when it was time take the headphones off go up and do the lift 
Did you ever, um, is it allowed in powerlifting to like, what is it, smell, um, is it ammonia or what is it, the stuff that yeah, they... it, It's ammonia. Is that allowed in competition? I'm embarrassed. I don't have like a for sure answer for you. I've never seen it done in competition. I've only seen it done in training. I'm trying to remember the rules of, I've only competed once. I'm trying to remember the rules. I don't, I don't think it is. But then again, it might just be not a not a thing, because um, I've I've never seen I've watched a lot of people compete and I've never seen it done. There's a part of me where they kind of have to have rules about everything. I was gonna say like I don't think it'd really matter, but then they kind of have to have rules about everything just to try to keep things as equal as possible. So it it, it it's very it would not surprise me if they're like yeah let's just not let's say that people can't do that. Mm-hmm. I've used it before. I've uh, there's a stuff um, called Skull Smash <laughs> that uh, people were buying when I was at Club Fitness, and I bought some, and it was just a bottle of like stuff with cotton and ammonia poured over it. Bas- okay, well, so there's maybe some a couple additives, but yeah, whew. you just pretty much crack the lid and take a sniff. Yep, it knocks you out. Uh, yep, well, or wakes so- you up. <laughs> I've not, yeah, I've never obviously smelled it, but is it, I mean, it almost seems like to me it would inhibit your lift because you'd be like recovering from that smell, but what it is, so it more or less just wakes you up and stimulates your, your whole body. Exactly. Every sense is, is alert. You're just, you're wide awake. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So Lane, let me ask this question. Maybe you've seen this guy on YouTube, but he, he walks around to people in the gym. He's like natty or not. Um, I forget what his name is, but <laughs> probably the wrong question to ask, but what there's, I know that there's a lot of guys, especially as they like enter into their thirties who start to use like testosterone boosters and things like that. Is that something that's ever crossed your mind or at this point, are you still just, uh, all natural? It's crossed my mind. Not, not for using now, but like would I in the future? I'm very happy with the way like my recovery is and, and the way my, my performance in the gym, I'm, I'm very happy with what it is right now. And my goal is to, I really, <clears throat> I really feel that your test levels are, you know, primarily dictated not by age, but by your sleep, your diet, and then you actually working out and I do watch those things fairly well. And uh, I've actually, we've actually talked about this a couple times, <clears throat> a couple previous episodes or early, pretty early episodes, earlier episodes of the show where I did say that this year, 2022, I was going to get my, my, uh, get a blood panel, have a blood panel done. And just see what my test levels were. I haven't done that yet. I need to. But um, but my plan is is just to kind of see how how I'm feeling, how I'm looking, kind of like into my 40s, 50s, and if if I feel like a sense, or maybe not even so much how yes, feeling and looking, but like actually kind of watch my my levels, and if they drop below, I want to say you want to be above like four or five hundred. Yeah, if it drops below that, then I'll take it. I would, I would get on, I would, it would be on, 
I would do testosterone, testosterone replacement therapy. And okay. I probably your actual steroids. What'd you say? Uh, that's what I was going to ask is, would you do TRT or just actual steroids? Yeah. They say TRT is much, yeah. I mean, the name implies that, but it's much lower than, than, than steroids. Steroids right. at a steroid level. That's really not necessarily unless you are actually trying to put on large amounts of muscle, whereas TRT is more for health. But, but I would I would probably want to be at least forty, ideally even older, and have test levels like three hundred or below before I would do it. Interesting. Landon, are you pretty much, um, I mean, would you say your goal at this point is just stay, stay active, stay strong and healthy. It's not necessarily, I mean, at one point I feel like early on back in like 20, oh, 2014, 2015, it's like you were really trying to get big, you know, a lot of mass, but I mean, what's your thoughts now with your fitness? Is it more of just like maintaining where you're at? I, I would say right now, a lot of it is, it's like, yeah, I get big, but at the same time, reach my genetic potential. Mm-hmm. And my genetics aren't really, they're not really to be 260 and and, and lean. So now, I, I don't think that could stop me from still being like 220, maybe even 230. It'd just be very hard. And uh, maintaining that would would be difficult. And I would say my my focus now has is, is like to be as strong as I can in the low in the low two hundreds. Mm-hmm. And because I think that's something that my body can realistically do. But to answer your question, it's it truly I've I've recognized like I said I'm probably not going to be like two sixty two seventy, but. I do think I am still chasing my genetic potential and I, and I don't think I'm there yet. Not just in, uh, because I also want to be healthy as well. And, and, um, what a lot of people don't realize is that if you're in competition shape, you're not healthy. Like your organs are wrecked and your hormones are wrecked. And so I, I always want to maintain, cause for me, it's about performance not just in the gym but it's how's my how's my focus how's my performance with work my energy levels to play with my kids and so those are the things that I'm monitoring as well so I kind of want to have everything kind of bring it all full circle but it all starts in the gym and how I'm what I do in the gym I want that to kind of echo out with with everything else that I'm doing but yes strength is something I'm really going to focus on this next year um this um this next year will be my 10th year of, of lifting, like, like really, really consistent in the gym. I, I worked out prior to that, but yeah, this is incredible. This, yeah. 10 years landing. Cause we, um, I feel like I met you around the time when you were really starting to get into your fitness journey. Right. I mean, it was I back in so. like 20, it was like 20, 2012, 2013, I yeah. think is when we met, it would have been 2013. And back then, I feel like you were kind of, I mean, you were, you were into fitness, but not to the level you are today, right? Is that about the time when you started? 
that's right when I started was 2000, September of 13. So we're in September of 2022. So this, this next year here, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to try to turn it up a notch and just kind of see, kind of try to bring everything. Like, what have I learned of these past 10 years? And not just in general of health and wellness, but about myself, how my body responds to different things. So those powerlifting competitions, um, is that based like, do you have like different, um, like weight categories? So like if you weigh this much, you're, I assume, or how does that work? Yeah, I was, I was in the 220 weight class and depending on what federation you're lifting in or what, what organization, it could be kilos or it could be pounds. But, um, my, my powerlifting meet was, a APA meet American powerlifting association. And so the, the weight categories were in pounds. I was in the 220 the 220 weight class and I ended up being coming very light. I was like 208 unintentionally, but it was my first meet. I wasn't overly worried. I wasn't worried about cutting water or anything like that. I was just going to go in there. Um, I knew 220 was going to be pushing. I knew I wasn't that heavy, but then again, I wanted to feel good. And if I had to cut water or something, anybody that wrestles knows what that's like. It, you f- I didn't want to feel like crap. And it was more about, go ahead weigh in what'd you say how far before the competition like the actual lifting do you weigh in roughly roughly 12 hours wow so guys that cut water to try to make a lower weight class that like could potentially (laughs) ruin their lifts like oh yeah yeah well you hear about it like in mma all the time and like how these guys are well these guys are putting on like 20 or 30 pounds in 12 to 24 hours. That's insane. Yeah. That's not, not healthy. Exactly. Exactly. But to your point, Eric, it's uh, you're, you're exactly right. If you came in so dehydrated and malnourished where you were having to, you know, soak out every bit of fluid in your body and you were starving yourself, I don't care if you got 12 or, 24 hours it's going to take you probably a good week to feel good again and that your, your performance is going to suck you could replenish your like water supply right like in your cells and yeah. stuff you could dry yourself out pretty thin and if you have at least 24 like some of them fighters they have 24 to 48 hours like mm-hmm. a lot of that's water weight granted they haven't been eating as much either but they can carb load and have their cells ready to go for- what's the eric like what would you take like is there stuff that guys take to try to dehydrate them quickly get the water out of their system or is it literally just sweating it out i mean i assume lasix i don't know what they're actually using most of it's not i mean it's most of the medications are prescriptions so i don't know where they're getting them from it's not that hard they're not narcotics but they're not being prescribed the water pill that's for sure i mean none of them guys have congestive heart failure obviously which is most commonly what um lasix is used for but basically it increases yeah, basically increases your urine output, so you just pee a ton more, hmm. and it just okay. out everything. Some guys then take diuretics. Right, it'd be a diuretic Lasix. Oh, that oh, that is considered a, a diuretic. I yeah. was okay. I was thinking it came out the other end, but no, you pee most of it out because <laughs> it's it's your kidneys, right? Your water is sure. pulled out of your blood system or out of your cells ultimately, but. It through your kidneys, which then you're going to pee anything you pull out through your kidneys out. Yeah. But Eric, um, I know Lane and I follow Max. Do you follow Max tuning? 
from time to time, not closely. But you know okay. who he is. Yeah. So I guess for the audience who doesn't know, Max Tuning, he's a he started as kind of a YouTuber, just started uploading daily vlogs of his life, um, mainly fit, you know, around fitness. And he started a couple little, well, he started a gym and then had a clothing company and he's got some other stuff going on right now, but is it Lana? It's just crazy to me to see him, you know, he's, um, I don't know, probably around your age, maybe a little bit older, actually. I mean, really he's a small dude. I mean, his legs like are pretty small, uh, I don't know what he weighs, like probably like 170, maybe. Yeah. Um, but that man, I mean, he can, he was deadlifting, you know, a couple of years ago, he's deadlifting like what, 500, 500 plus pounds, maybe close to 600. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's hit and, 600 multiple times. He's hit in competition. I think he hit like 640 or something like that. Maybe even 650. It's, it's incredible. It's like, yeah. And then also his, um, his squatting is insane. I mean, you watch his videos, you're like, how is this little dude? with his little pencil legs. I mean, you know, his legs are smaller than mine and I can't even, I couldn't even touch an eighth of what he is squatting. I mean, it's just incredible. I wonder why that is. I mean, do certain people just have their muscle just as more dense or something? I, I don't know. I mean, it's incredible. Baylor, do you have any theories on that? I mean, cause obviously there's, there's genetic factors, but it's like, what is that genetic factor? What is it? Like what Kyle's saying, what is it about the muscle that it's it's not just size, obviously? Mm -hmm. I would definitely have to refresh my memory on some of the science behind it. But there's definitely, right, like there's different kinds of muscle fibers. So like a sprinter athlete is going to have very different leg muscles than a long distance runner, you know, um, just yeah, they're, they have different fibers that are strong basically. And I don't think it's any different between like, um, like someone who does strength training like him. Cause yeah, I agree, Kyle, like it's insane. You watch how much he lifts, even how much he benches and like, granted the dude's muscular, but it's not like his muscle proportions are like obscene. Like he doesn't, he's no. lower body fat than your average, like muscular dude you'd see on the beach, but not that much. Yeah. And he's definitely size wise. He doesn't look like a bodybuilder at all. No, no. But yeah, I think he probably just, that's his main focus is strength training and yeah, his muscles, just the way the fibers are formed and everything are just made in that way. I mean, you can definitely train your muscle fibers into that, right? Like a lot of people can run a long distance that I could never run because my muscles wouldn't be able to endure it, but they've trained theirs up to that, you know? Yeah, like, I guess. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I've never seen Max do any type of like, um, anything like cardio based, like you never see him out running. You never see him out or doing like high rep type workouts. It's pretty much all like very focused on heavy, heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. And that's like, you look, he can probably outlift a lot of these, at least like men's physique bodybuilders and them dudes, their muscles are huge, you know? proportional to like what his are but obviously they can lift a lot more but whether or not he could get the same amount of reps in on a lighter weight i don't know it'd be interesting yeah. but that's a good point yeah. because since he's strength trained for the majority of his lifting career he's going to be very strong in the, in the lower rep ranges but maybe not so much on the higher rep ranges mm -hmm. um it's always kind of interesting when you see, you know, someone like that, you follow for a long time, you see him in person. Cause Eric, I don't know if you knew this, but Devin and I actually went down to Alphaland. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't so know we that. Saw, 
Yeah, you did. You went to Alpha Land. Yeah, I definitely, definitely sent you pictures. Um, remember, so we had a, we had a flight from Arizona back to, um, Illinois and we had a layover in Austin, but we literally got the, the plane was over Austin and they rerouted us to Houston because there was bad weather in Austin. So we had like a, I want to say like a nine or 10 hour layover in Houston. And so we're like, you know what, we're down here. Let's rent a car, uh, and go check out Alpha land, which most people probably don't know what that is. It's um, Christian Guzman. He's also kind of like a fitness influencer. He created this. It's like a playground for anyone in fitness. It's just this massive compound with like multiple gyms, you know, basketball court, um, just like clothing store. There's a hotel there too, right? He did not ever build, actually build the hotel. Oh, he didn't. Okay. Um, I don't know if he's planning on it in the future, but anyways, I when I saw Max and um and christian were both there you saw them in They're, person i did not yeah. know this yeah did you snapchat yeah, me or something because i don't have snapchat anymore no i don't either so i i don't know what <laughs> i thought i texted it to you but um i didn't talk to either of them i didn't want to be like that fanboy that you know because everyone else is acting normal i didn't want to be the one that was like running up to him like hey can i take a selfie <laughs> but so christian was in the midst of training for um summer shredding yeah okay but so I saw mix, um, both of them working out together in the gym and they're like so much smaller in person in terms of like height, you know, you really? always, yeah. Like, you know, I like, especially Christian, I'm like, dang, he's a, he's a pretty small dude. Um, I want to say he's, I mean, I, I actually, I don't know how tall he is. Definitely not six foot, I'm definitely under six foot, but those guys can look so big in pictures. Yeah. It was just kind of surprising when I saw them. Yeah, I definitely but did I not definitely know that. Highly recommend going down there. We are, you know, thankful we we had that layover. It was a lot of fun. Hannah so we and I saw, really want to go. We saw um, Christian, Heidi, um, Max, and then both of Christian's parents were there hmm. as well. Yeah. So it's just crazy. You follow someone for like so many years and you actually see them in person. Yeah. It's kind of surreal. Have you tried his... Um new ghost energy drink have not max's nope i've i mean i've heard a lot about it but have you you have you guys tried like ghost energy or ghost um like the supplement just their protein never nope. had their any of their stuff their pre-workout is bomb okay yeah and their yeah. energy drinks i'll legit go to a certain gas station to fill up with gas just because if they carry that energy drink but okay. if you're into it so Max has a podcast now too, and he interviewed the founders of Ghost. That was a really good interview, and they talked yeah. about the energy drink because, I guess, uh, like for for Mac, I don't. It's, it was on Max's birthday. They released a can that has Max on the can. <laughs> Isn't it incredible the doors that can be opened when you have a following like that? Yeah, I mean just. You know, from him starting these daily vlogs probably 10 years ago, you know, about him working out. Now he has a clothing company, um, sells, he has a candy company, Sour Strips, that's in like Target and mm-hmm. HEB and all these massive stores and an energy drink, you know, that he partners with Ghost on. And it's just incredible. You know, obviously there's pros and cons to having that platform, but wow, you know, those guys, he blew up. I mean, that candy company. I would not be surprised if he has, you know, massive companies like 
um, whoever actually owns like, you know, Nestle. Hershey's and yeah, that, those type of brands, you know, they're going to try to buy brands like that up, yeah. you know, in the, in the future. And the amount you could sell a brand like that, like brands are worth so much money if they're making like that. Well, and that's the crazy thing to me is like, it'd be one thing like Steve Cook, right? I don't even know how many followers the dude has on Instagram right now. I'll have to look, but Max only has like, is it, it might be 300, maybe I'm way off there. Yeah, 335,000, which is obviously a ton of people, but compared to like some, but the fact that he's like taken those followers and turned it into like, yeah, basically a group. Monetization that stream. Well, that, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I feel like there's a lot of people with followers much larger than his, but the fact that he's like taken advantage of it and like used it so wisely to like make products and, you know, I, I feel like he goes above and beyond with that. Yeah. Steve also has the swimsuit line now. Oh, really? Or board, board shorts, probably the more appropriate word. Yeah. With him and his wife. I'd buy some of those. <laughs> Just because they're Steve Cook. Yeah. Um, what, they probably have like a four-inch uh, mid-seam? Yep, pretty much. He's got a couple, like three different lengths. Short, oh, shorter, short shorter, and shortest. <laughs> How old is Steve Cook? Dude, yeah. he's like almost 40. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, I mean, that dude is still still looks good. Well, he but does. then you sent me that video, Kyle, or maybe you sent it to both of us where he just got back from getting Botox. And I was like, what? He gets Botox? Yeah, I was like, actually, I kind of forgot about that. I it, at first I thought it was a joke. But then like after looking at it further, I'm like, no, he's being serious. He's dead serious. I could see that, though. Maybe that's why he looks so good, though. Like, if you look at his face, it's pretty obvious he Botoxes. Good looking so, dude. I might need to try we, it. <laughs> so, spe- speaking of that, um, you know, like that, what's his name? Liver King? Yeah. Or whatever his name is. You know, obviously, that dude's absolutely jacked. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, he's on, he's obviously got to be on something. And, you know, he claims that he's not. And then also, there's talk that he has like fake ab implants. Which, you know, I've watched, um, oh, who's the guy like more, more plates, more dates or something. Yep. Yep. Uh, he's kind of talked about that too. What do you think, Landon? Do you think that looking at liver King, like, is it, could that, is it possible that that physique is natural? And do you think he does have some sort of like procedure on his abs, especially, I mean, they're always flexed always, no matter what he's doing. Well, I don't think they're flexed. I think they're just popped. (laughs) So here's my take, and we'll 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 never know, but I do think he's natural. I think he just has insane genetics, and I think he's capitalizing on those genetics, and that's what he uses to sell. I'm not, and I'm not saying his what he's selling is not legitimate, but I think let me put it this way: if I had genetics like that, where my abs were so chiseled, and I was relatively lean. And like, and, and, and all that, and it, and it didn't, it did not take steroids. I would start a supplement company as well. And I would say, Hey, eat this. This is what I do. That's what I would do. And I mean, I've, I've watched, <clears throat> nobody's going to know without going in his, looking in his refrigerator or in his cabinet or whatever. But based on some of the things that I've, I've seen and just, you never know, but based on what I have seen, and also, 
well, I was just going to, I'll finish that thought first. I think he's natural based on the, the people that have interviewed him, people that I trust have interviewed him and, and actually hung out with him and spent a few days with him. And then, um, and they, they vouch for him. But then also he does not have the features of someone that's on steroids. And people just think, oh, you're chiseled, you're big steroids. Well, it's like, well, no, there's other factors. Like he doesn't have gyno, he doesn't have the the acne, and he looks that way 24-7. People on steroids don't. And he also, he's not that big. He just has very well-shaped muscle bellies from his pecs to his abs to his delts. And uh, steroids can affect that those types of things. That's can only be affected by... Yes, a little bit with how you train, how you're hydrated, but then primarily by genetics. And if you look at his legs, and he mentioned this on when he was on the, I think it was with the uh, the Paul brothers on their podcast, on Impulsive. He's got scrawny legs. Like, if he was, that could just be the way he trains, but I think he just has some rare, freaky genetics, and he's capitalizing on it. Eric, you probably disagree with me. Strongly. Strongly. I don't know about the ab implants. I, I could see. I, I don't know. To me, so let's talk about the abs. The abs, either he has implants or he keeps his body fat percentage like insanely low to unhealthy levels. Because if you look at him compared to like um, Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler, some of the best ever bodybuild, their abs are extremely comparable. Right. And them dudes, the pictures you're seeing of Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler when they have similar abs was when they were on the stage, which their body fat percentage is what landed. Like what would you, what range would you give them? 3%, 4%. Right. Which is unhealthy to the extreme, right? Like that's not like, yeah, you're, it'll wreck your body. So either he's maintaining like extremely low levels of body fat percentage or yeah. Or he has implants, which I, I think is feasible. If you look at pictures of them online, some of them look totally like implants. And then there's others that don't. So that's what makes me think. But the fact that they're always so you're saying like, there's there might be some inconsistency as far as how they look. I don't know. Actually, I, I take that back because here I am Googling pictures of them. Oh, I am right now, too. Bending over eating, like eating a big piece of meat and his abs are still like 100 percent tense. Landon, didn't you um, try eating? raw liver or something recently yeah i did it for three days and i still have a lot that i need to eat that's so gross it is what do you think the worst thing i've ever tasted raw raw liver because it's not just the taste because it's like bloody and everything but then it's the the texture is it's like you're eating your own tongue (laughs) it it um a lot of people use the reference of it melts in your mouth as it's a good thing this thing is not only like chewy to where you can't break it down, but at the same time, it's melting in your mouth. It's like, it's the creepiest sensation ever. And on top of that, it's all, it's all bloody and it was rough. It was rough. And I, I do plan on eating more because I have, I, I got the quarter of beef from my brother-in-law and I got some liver with it. And I'm like, I'll, I'm going to give this a shot. So talking about how terrible it is, it's disgusting. And yep, I'm going to keep eating. There's, there's, (laughs) there's an overwhelmingly amount of evidence that suggests there's well, I may not even evidence, but there's just a lot of micronutrients. We know that it's not just evidence. There's a lot of micronutrients in, in raw liver. 
That's so, disgusting. So I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're missing a whole lot. Well, I'm going to try to be consistent with it and see if I actually notice any difference. If I don't, it's probably not something I'm going to continue. So, yeah, I'm, I'm we're okay. I'm looking at these at these pictures here. How is that natural? How yeah, is that natural? So he also has polymboism, I think, which is like the well steroid. What? That polymboism, I think, is how it's pronounced. It's I've never heard of that before. It's it, well. Look at Ronnie Coleman on the stage, especially in his last years when he was competing. His gut like sticks way out. It's steroid oh. gut or HGH gut, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, he has that. But are you and saying he, like he's been diagnosed with that, or you're saying based on how he looks? No, he based off his look. Like it's clear that he has it. I would say the most unnatural thing, the most unnatural attribute about him, is his abs. Other than that, that's a that's an attainable physique, and. A lot of like if you've got decent genetics arm. and you work out hard. You have pulled up on the right there. This one? What part of the arms is natural to have that size in that those arms aren't very big. They're very chiseled. They're very vascular, but they're not very big. So Eric, compare him to like I was gonna say Nick Walker, but that's not fair because Nick Walker's Look like at a Matt different height. Nick Walker has used enough steroids to kill a full grown. But that's cat. that's what I'm saying though. Is like he looks. I think he looks different than than Walker because he probably uses more like shredding. I, I don't know because he maintains right in order to like continue to sell his content. He has to maintain a low body fat percentage. He's not sitting here trying to put on like obscene amounts of size like Nick Walker. And so I, I don't. You're saying maybe it's more like fat burners versus versus like uh, growth hormones and mm. testosterone. And I don't know what cycles he's been through in the past years to get to the point where he is now. Like, how old is the liver king? Like, he's got to be 40. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's got Google here. My thing is, like, the way his, like, abdomen's starting to distend, 45. and I think it's worse yeah in 10 years from now his abdomen will be sticking out way more if he continues to stay at this like level of disease i do agree with you that his gut does remind me of a professional bodybuilder like you said like uh like ronnie coleman and so forth how it's kind of a bubble gut but then you can also see the abs i do agree with you there but there's his his, his horm or the hormones whatever kind of hormone he was using or steroids causes his basically internal organs to grow to the point where it shoves his abdomen out. Yeah. I just, I, I, I hear you 100%. I, um, I just, I have seen guys who I know are on steroids mm -hmm. and he doesn't look like them. Are there some, are there some, uh, attributes that are similar? Yes. But there's also a lot of features that are missing that are lacking that I guys that I know for sure on gear they have um because his hairline and the facial beard growth that reminds me of i don't know of what you have matt how do you say his last name Matt august i'm up. not real familiar with this guy um kyle is he claimed to be natural no honestly i was just curious i was going to compare his abs um to liver kings like i feel like matt yeah. has a very natural like his, I mean, he's, he's obviously very shredded in these photos. Like he, he could get down to insanely low body fat percentages and he was very popular. I want to say like 10 years ago, you know, but I just felt like he, from what I remembered, it's like his abs were very, 
very much natural compared to like liver kings just looks like they're bulging out of his stomach i just think we uh, we often underestimate the fact that there are some people with some very rare genetics and that is true like take your friend with cystic fibrosis clayton that dude has some he has always had chiseled abs right yeah yeah actually i was gonna pull a photo up of him it, I'll see if i can find it and like we're no, looking don't. at what would you say yeah i was gonna share my screen in a minute i can't find the I'll, photo i'll so. uh I'll throw it over to you here in a second. But like, yeah, we're looking at Greg Plitt here, and he's another guy that always had pretty good abs. He got, like, hit by a train, didn't he? Greg Plitt. I have no idea. I did not hear that. If I'm not mistaken. Who's a ranger? What'd you say? Who's a ranger? Yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of reminds me of Tim Kennedy a little bit. Kyle, I'm going to give you, I'm going to make you the host so you can share. Um, so, I'm not fine. I'm not finding it, guys. <clears throat> okay. Well, let me know if you, if you do find it. I'll, I'll throw this yeah. over to you. So this is, uh, it's interesting we're bringing this up. So Michael Hearn, I am, I'm watching a podcast with him right now. I was just watching it before we hopped on here. He was on Mark Bell's podcast, one of the, one of the main podcasts I listened to. And they were they were talking about how everybody says that he's not natural. So I feel like Eric, you and I have talked about him before, but I believe he's natural as well because again, I don't think he has the attributes of someone who's absolutely on gear. And also, um, he is someone who does v look very consistent all year round. Versus a, a bodybuilder on steroids will fluctuate significantly in the off season and on and like while they're in prep. Now I've seen him like with his face is a little fuller and, and when he's bulking and so forth, but I think he still remains fairly lean. But if he was on steroids, who knows how big he would be? But what do you think? Lean and also like a lot of people's goal that use steroids isn't always just get to be Nick Walker, Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler size. A lot of that's people a good point keep a low body fat percentage especially someone like him who had been on national television what was the name of the show that he was in um american gladiator yeah. yeah so like someone like that they have to be like very presentable from a physique standpoint so how do you do that right without completely because like you look at um guzman christian guzman when he was doing summer shredding the dude was miserable like it's yeah. impressive they'll make content granted he had someone following him around videoing him yeah like it's a miserable process and to live in that year round i don't believe anyone does that to maintain that lower body and granted i, I do think without a doubt michael hearn has like insane genetics but i i strongly believe that he used and i don't think he was like on a huge cycle by any means but he definitely was using things to help him maintain like whatever it may have been. I don't know. I'm not that up on my steroids, but, or it doesn't even necessarily have to be a steroid, but with, with Mike though, have you seen pictures of him when he was the, there's a, there's a picture on the internet when he was like 16 or 15. Are you telling me he was using when he was 14? I'm telling you, he was a freak when yeah, he, he was, was. A, a teenager. So here, let me, let me share my screen so you can see this. Uh, 
well, once again, I don't, I don't think, um, none of these guys that like compete at the like elite level, they, you can't do that without like an elite genetic physique too. Exactly. It's not just steroids is, is your point. It's, it's the genetics alongside the gear. So here on the left, that's insane. Whoops. That's a YouTube video. Just one. I thought that was a picture. Wanted to start a business. What is happening here? You're on the wrong tab. Look <laughs> on the top. But now the problem is, is my, I'm having first world problems here. The, the bar is covering up my tabs. Hold on. I think I can move it. There we go. I'm on the wrong tab. Go one to the left of that, of that tab. There you go. Now go so, to Oh, this was, a, this was a, um, it was a YouTube video that I clicked on. Okay, let's go to images. There we go. So he was in like, I've heard him say he was like 260 when he was not, not, I wouldn't say he's that heavy here because he's dieted down. But like in high school, he was like 15, 16, he was like 260 and lean. And, um, uh, one thing with Mike, though, is I think he, you were talking about how, Eric, you were talking about how miserable Christian was while he was dieting and getting ready for his show. I think Mike kind of thrives off of that. He's just a weird dude like that. And again, I'm saying all this like, I, like I've lived with him or I know him very well. I've just watched him for years, and he is extremely consistent, not only with how he trains and looks, but just with the messages that he puts out there. And I think he, similar to Liver King, I think he is a freak of nature that that has just been extremely consistent. When you combine the consistency with the freaky genetics, you're going to get a physique that looks like it's on steroids. But then again, here's honestly, Eric, if, uh, if, um, someone would come out, something were to be revealed that, oh, he has been on steroids, I wouldn't be shocked either. Yeah. At the he end of the day, go ahead. Search for Phil Heath and Mike O'Hearn on Google, and there's pictures of them two together. He is literally the same size as Phil Heath. And, and granted, I know he has like, they both have insane physique or insane genetics. And I mean, Phil Heath talks about that in, in numerous interviews where like, he's just been blessed by his genetics. And he realizes that a lot of the way he's able to be how he is, is because of his genetics. But he also would never say that he doesn't use steroids because it's obvious that he does. Look at that, the picture at the top, right? Yeah, there, I mean, their arms are similar size. I'd say Phil's got him by a little bit. See, I think look at the shirtless picture of them though. So up where here? Top right. Fine. I think your top right is different than my top right. Here? No, wait. Here? No. That's now not it's in the middle. Go up and to the left. Right there. Yep. Yeah. See, to me, Phil looks <laughs> way bigger. Well, of course, because the a load of steroids he on he's on is probably way more. But so you just think it's a it's a quantity thing. Oh, I think it's quantity and the type and what you're trying to 
aim for, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, it could be possible. Like that arm right there, that's a nice arm, but that's definitely not impossible, naturally. It just looks like mine in a way. (laughs) It just doesn't have... (laughs) I was thinking that same thing, Grim. (laughs) Thanks, bro. For anyone listening, just go ahead and search Mike O'Hearn. I thought you were going to tell him to search me. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll get a good idea for what Grim is (laughs) delusionally thinking. (laughs) There's just a lot of fluctuation when when it comes to genetics. There is a huge spectrum. And not only just just with potential and how easy or how difficult it is for people to say lean. Like I was saying earlier, it's very easy for me to be lean. And, but it's it for some people it's very easy to put on muscle but and maybe maybe I'm just giving these guys too much credit and 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 trying to take their word but what it comes down to to me like I said before is it's just I know the guys that are obvious that they that say they're on gear or like they're on the Olympia stage, so which all of them are on steroids, they have a very different look to them. In my opinion, they have a very different look to them than Liver King and, and Mike O'Hearn. That's that's what I was going back to. There's some features that are missing. Now, but I think what you're saying, Eric, though, is, well, they could be on some kind of fat burner, um, which that would make them not look the same, but they're still on something. Or it could just be a lower level of testosterone or something like that. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. We'll never know. But... Level of Timberland. Yeah. My, uh, they call him, they call Michael Hearn, Michael Trent. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, speaking of uh, TRT and testosterone, I haven't watched the video, but Max did put out a video just a week or so ago, Max Tuning, saying he was going to be getting on TRT. I don't know if that was clickbait or not, but because he is like 30, he's like two years older than me, I think. He's like 30, 33, 34. And I, I could definitely see him as being a guy who's low testosterone. He still looks like he's 17, 16. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know which video you're referring to, but... I know his brother, I saw a portion, I don't know if it was a YouTube video or what it was, but he was talking to his brother who is using something. Mm. So I, I, but I didn't see the part where Max said he was going to try it. I'll see if I can find it here and I'll send it to you. Going back to my initial question, Eric, though, just, you said NF and then you said that, uh, I forgot what you called it already, that orchestra. Mm Mm-hmm. The 300 Violin Orchestra. Okay. Uh, Jorge Quintero. I'm not even sure the dude's name. But that's that's it? That's what when it comes to workout music? I mean, honestly, um, I use YouTube a lot for music. Okay. So, um, Big baller, you have the premium, don't you? <laughs> I don't. But... YouTube for now, actually, I just read an article that they're going to start um, basically putting a lot more advertisements on their videos. But for now, um, you just hit skip ad 
after about five seconds and you got about 30 minutes of music. So it's better than the free Spotify or free um, Pandora. So that's true. I see what you're saying. So you, do you not have Spotify then? I do. So you just pay but, for it. You just don't use it. No, or I don't you, even pay for it. You don't pay for it. Okay. Okay. You can use it for free. Yeah. I forget about hey, that you sometimes. Have, you could actually still qualify for the student discount, Eric, on Spotify. It's like three ninety nine or something a month for unlimited no ads. But I know that's that's a bit expensive. You know, that's like a coffee for you, and you don't want to you don't want to spend that on music. Yeah, it's out of my budget. Um, <laughs> no, we're trying to save up right now, so. I, I'm not going to pay for music when I can get the same music for free. You're trying to save up. What are you trying to save up for? What are you about to pull? <laughs> Who knows? Well, you got a baby no. on the way, and you're, you're you're thinking of the future. <laughs> you have to, right? I'm trying to catch up to Grim, you know? Yeah. Real estate mogul. Is that attainable, though? You can't do that by saving. <laughs> if you want, If you want me to give you this this speech... Yeah, but you can't spend it all if you have nothing saved. Because unfortunately, banks don't take 0% down payments unless you have an obscene amount of capital, which then one would argue that it's not a 0% down payment, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I bet down there in Peach in Peachtree, I mean, your um, property values skyrocketed over the last couple of years, I'd imagine, right? Yeah, it's gone pretty insane. Our house has increased by probably 80 percent 80 percent that's it's nuts. Pushing. that is incredible i mean that's something like landon and i will never experience you know more in the rural midwest you know i think that we i mean we saw an incredible increase in prices here wow. and i think that we are you know we're probably seeing like 20 maybe 20 percent maybe and uh landon you might have even seen less we bought our house for like 250 and when was that? In 2018, so three years ago. And it's now valued over 450. Oh my goodness. So, so is you not to sell, but once again, yeah, we can sell high, but you're gonna buy high. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a good question, I guess, for Kyle Grimm that what what would be your advice with this market or like the market we're in in Georgia? Um, that's super high. What's the best move with a potential downfall of the market and i don't think it'll be like a 2007 crash and maybe you have different opinions on that too but what what would be the wise move with that yeah i think i mean everyone's situation is so different i would have to like understand what you wanted to do next like are you trying to save up or are you trying to move up into a bigger nicer house are you trying to leverage your money and invest everything that you can i mean there's just like so many stories to like what you'd want to do with it right. um i well, let me ask you this. Did you like, do you have, is all that equity untapped at this point? Like, is it just sitting in your house or did you refinance and pull cash out? So yeah, if we sold our house for, let's just say 450 flat for easy math. With 250. So, cause we took a pretty big loan when we, cause when we first moved down there, we had all our school debt. Um, we were paying on a vehicle. Um, so we did a pretty low percentage down payment and then we refinanced recently which we refinanced like over a year ago now. Um, so the market wasn't as good. Um, but basically we owe how much? Probably like 190 on it. Okay. So, I mean, that, that looks pretty good on your financial statement, having all that equity there. But sure. I, 
I think that while with interest rates going up so much, I mean, we are literally at six plus six plus percent now. You're still going Um, up. Oh, yeah. Yep. The Fed just announced what a week ago, you know, they're increasing again. And I think it's the biggest jump yet. Um, So, I mean, like inevitably home prices will start to fall like they have to, because if you were to go buy, you know, a $250,000 house a year ago uh, at at 3% interest, you know, today you can't afford even, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, but you know, because interest rates have gone up so much that you, what you can afford is really, really going down. So it really just depends, Eric, on what your your game plan is. I mean, I'm very, I use that to an advantage. I use that in my business to like leverage up and, you know, continue to scale. So like for me, I would probably hate to have that much equity tied up in my house. I would probably have already done like a cash out refinance and then went and bought more rental property. Um, cause like that equity that's sitting in your house, it's like, it's not doing anything for you. It's just sitting there. And my philosophy is like, you want to make your money work for you as hard as you can. It's like every dollar you can send it back out and like reinvest it. So that equity to me is just kind of like wasted, but you know, the Dave Ramsey's of the world would argue hundred percent against me. So I think there's a balance, you know, it's nice to have equity in your home, but also depending upon your goals, it's also just kind of sitting there, you know, wasting away. Right. Well, that's our other idea is like, you could either use your home equity, right. And go buy some rental properties, some small condos, duplexes, whatever. Or do you think like our other option that we've been considering since we're having our first kid, but we're still only going to have one kid for the next couple of years. Um, buy basically a smaller like townhouse type of situation that would be worth obviously like 250 ish at this point use what we need to make a down payment on that and use the rest to invest into other properties like that would be your other option and i I guess my idea with that is like so right like if this market drops which it probably will at some point if you own a home that's currently worth 450 you're going to see a lot more of a drop than you would if you owned a home that's right now marketed at like 250, right? Percentage. Yeah, I, I probably, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, I think the, the higher end is definitely going to see a bigger hit than maybe the more common yeah. median price. But well, really- this, this house has like an in-ground pool, the one we currently live at and stuff like that, which is great. And it, it's, until our kids are to the point where they can actually like swim in it and stuff like that. It's, it's a ton of money and upkeep. Like it takes a lot of work to keep a pool up looking good. Yeah. So that's people kind of wanting to get rid of it too. Mm-hmm. But, well, I mean, I think that it's, you know, just like the car market right now, it's like, everyone's not really sure what's going to happen next. So, you know, like I need a truck, but I don't want to go buy one right now because I feel like the market is really going to start correcting over the next, you know, 12 plus months. And so, but you know, if you're a seller, the the smarter thing for me to do is like sell my car right now, take advantage of the high prices and then sit on the cash. But I can't do that because I need a car, you know, the same with your house. It's like, if you're a, if you're a seller, you're also a buyer in this market. So unless you can, you know, sell your house for that large profit and then sit on the cash and like maybe rent or something for, you know, six months a year. Right. Maybe then it's going to be a, you know, home run because maybe you'll 
be able to buy a house after prices have maybe corrected a little bit? Well, I guess that's my other question to you then. So if we were to go buy a house worth, sold this house for 450, bought a condo or something for 250, um, and then sat on the rest of the cash, is that, would that be a smart move? And then when the market drops, then buy into the market for like rental properties, stuff like that, or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's not a bad idea. Um, I mean, again, you're probably still going to be overpaying for your $250,000 house. Mm. You know, I don't think that there's, I think it's going to drop in percentage about the same as, as the 450 house would. Okay. So it's, it's really hard to say. Um, I mean, it sounds like either way you're going to be fine, but. But even still, so like, let's say that it drops that, I don't know how much you think the market could drop let's say 30, 40%. Who, who knows? It's yeah. Completely unpredictable. But like, let's say 30%, 30% of 250 is a lot less than 30% of 450. Right. right. So I, and I guess that's my other question to you then. And this is because I have zero idea. Like I work in ER, not anything with real estate or taxes, but what would be like the smart thing tax wise to cash out and sit on cash like that? Would you get hit hard with taxes if you're doing that? Um, no, because it's been your primary residence for at least two years. Okay. That's, so the two-year mark is like the cutoff for that. I, I believe so. I really don't play in the like residential space much anymore. So I, I don't, I think it's two years and that's, so you'd be fine. You wouldn't be hit with capital gains tax on that. Yeah. So it really isn't a bad idea. I mean, yeah, sit on that cash, you know, if you can for a year, Maybe, you know, maybe a little bit more and see what the market does. It's not a bad idea. Okay. Go, just go buy a bunch of gold with it. You and your gold. No, I'm actually not, for the listeners, I'm actually not a big gold person at all, actually. You own gold, though, don't you? Not really. I'm going to have some gold. Like, I have a, I have stock. I think it's an ETF. I think it's, like, literally... Um, it's, it's a stock. They just buy gold and hold gold. So I own hmm. some of that. And then I, I own like a half an ounce of real gold. So no, I'm really not. I'm, I'm 95% in real estate. Graham, are you saying this? Cause you're afraid the IRS is listening. <laughs> you don't want them to know about the 200 pounds of gold you have in your crawl space. No comment. <laughs> no comment. The thing about uh, the thing about gold is like it's a non-cash flow producing asset. Like it's literally value locked up, just like that equity in your house. It's literally locked up and it's doing nothing for you. Like I'm all about how can you make your money work for you, and and that's why like I would love to buy instead of buying you know hundred thousand dollars worth of gold, I'll go buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of real estate that will then produce me, you know, ten thousand a year in cash flow or or whatever it is. Yeah. So. That's my philosophy. What's your thoughts like for us if we were to do that, like basically cash out, buy something worth quite a bit less, and then use the rest of that cash, 100 to 150,000? Would you, I don't know, which just might be kind of a jaded question or jaded answer for you because you have your own what you like, but like, would you do basically our thoughts are like get some Airbnb type rental properties or short term rental properties, right? Um, we're really close to Florida, like Jacksonville Beach is four, just over four hours. Hilton Head Island, where we're at this week, is like four hours. Um, we have Panama City, 
which is three and a half hours. There's like a lot of good potential like Airbnb investment type areas. Even Myrtle Beach is within driving distance, pretty easy. There's a partial day drive. What are your thoughts on some of those places or like doing that kind of investing instead of like more long-term rental close to home? I think it's I think it's a great idea. Um, I think you just have to be really careful today about where you're buying. You know, Airbnbs are so are becoming so oversaturated. And also a lot of cities are, you know, cracking down on, hey, like you've got to have certain night minimums and you've got to, um, you know, pay pay different, you know, fees and taxes to the city for them. And so like you just have to be careful about where you're buying. But I think, no, I think it's a really good idea. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've been looking myself to buy stuff like that. I just haven't because it's a little bit harder to scale. You know, I don't know if you'd be doing like a third party property manager, which they're out there. But for me, I'm like building a kind of an in-house property management company and like Airbnbs just don't fit inside that bucket at this point. But I think it's a great idea. And I think, you know, the, the money is definitely there still. It's especially in those like vacation areas. There's definitely a lot of money there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So that's kind of what we're thinking. but We'll see. So that, that's as to why I'm not paying for Spotify, if you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Sounds like your priorities are in order. Most days. Do you guys, this is uh, a little bit off topic, but do you guys, either of you, like go meet with a financial financial planner or what does that look like? Like talking about like money with your wife and, and planning for the future. You guys, do you guys talk about that or how does that work? We go. Um, <laughs> I can give you the chance, Landon. But um, for us, like, I feel like we haven't too much. I'm trying to think. Yeah, not really. I mean, usually, if I have any financial questions, usually more pertaining to like taxes and stuff, um, we use Jim Roth. He's from Silverton, Oregon. Um, he does all our tax stuff. But yeah, I feel like for us lately, it's just been like pay off a lot of our like school debt in our car debt, right? Those are two things. Like I don't mind having like property debt. That's different. Um, well, you would say that's a wise thing to do, right? Graham? But um, yeah, obviously debt for school, which granted we paid off all Erica's like 60,000 or whatever it was in school tuition for her grad school, only for Joe Biden to go ahead and forgive 10 grand of everyone's school debt that we had just finished paying out of pocket. <laughs> Bummer. Um, we thought we were doing the smart thing there, but jokes on us. Um, but yeah, basically I feel like that was kind of our financial plan and we knew that would be up until this point. So now we're getting to the point here where we're out of debt other than our house. Um, so we probably should meet with the financial planner. I'm a little jaded towards financial planners. I feel like obviously there's a lot of really good financial planners. Um, but there's also a lot out there that are just trying to make like some easy money basically off other people's earnings. So I don't know. Or their ignorance. Yeah, that probably both. But yeah, so that's, I guess my answer is, but yeah, no, we haven't, but yes, we probably should at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're in the same boat. We, we have not either, but we probably should. You know, I just hear a lot of, I mean, I don't know what the stat is, but a lot of divorces are centered around money problems. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard that or not, but I've heard that too. So I, I would, 
yeah, just curious. Um, I've got a couple friends who, who like they treat their finances very differently than my wife and I. Um, they like keep completely separate bank accounts. You know, they both have jobs. You know, both their money from their jobs goes into their separate bank accounts, and that's what they spend, and you know all that. And then they have like certain expenses that they pay together. So like utilities, you know, their mortgage payment, things like that. So I just thought that was interesting. And, uh, you know, we're pretty transparent about, I mean, we're, we join everything together and so it's worked pretty well, but yeah, I was just curious also with like talking with a financial advisor, if that's something you guys did, I've never done it. I've never really talked to the financial advisor before. With those couples, how do they go about like paying for the house? Like, do they split the mortgage or like, how does that work? Um, if I remember right, I think that they, they kind of, it's like, one of them pays for all the utilities, which is about the same as like the mortgage payment. Uh, I think that's how they how they do it. But it, it always, it's just interesting to me because I feel like there would be tension about that. Like, oh, well, you know, are you going to pay for dinner tonight or am I going to pay for dinner tonight? And it's just, it's just interesting. Money, money problems. I mean, they can be pretty ugly. And these friends are referring to they're, they're married or they're just with somebody yeah they're married okay yeah yeah so hannah and i go go ahead no no no, go ahead i was just gonna say hannah and i we got married a little older both of us had fairly well established finances separately when we got married it wasn't like we were both just leaving our parents house and and getting married um and so most of our accounts, it's kind of been a gradual thing for us as far as combining our finances, just because there's more involved. And she had significantly more student debt than I did because she's a doctor. And um, so there's multiple factors there, but we've kind of been gradually combining everything. We still have, she still has like one or two accounts that are separate, but it's more for organizational purposes, like for her business and money gets, you know, funneled back and forth all the time. But it's, it's primarily for organizational purposes like i said but as far as like bills and everything that's all coming out of the same account income all goes into the same account um it might get stored in another account for business reasons for her business and so forth but that that's it yeah for sure yeah we do we do something similar i mean we have some separate accounts for like organizational purposes and yeah that makes sense um is hannah is she still Focusing pretty heavy on her uh, business. Um, what's it called again? Junebug Boutique. Yeah. How's that going? It's going pretty well. It's slowed down a little bit since uh, the second child. And I may have kind of alluded this to this a little bit with our last conversation, but we're still we're trying to navigate that a little bit with with a second child because it, it still does take up a lot of her time. And she, just, she doesn't... Poor thing hardly gets to sleep. So... Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure what that's going to look like in the next year. And we're talking about how we're going to handle all that. But, um, the thing is, is that she does really enjoy it and it's absolutely a, a creative outlet for her. And so I don't think, I don't see her ever completely stepping away from it. Um, she might just, if, if there is a change, it'll just be just a, just slowing down, um, just to give her more time. That would be, that would be, I don't, yes, she's really good at it and she does enjoy it. So there's, there's really no reason for to stop completely. Yeah. 
that's it's pretty cool i mean to see how quickly that grew i mean it, yeah. i feel like it was pretty successful overnight yeah well, it, we were pleasantly surprised it doesn't always work that way yeah does that um Lena, would you call yourself like are you an entrepreneur at heart or are you more of a like i don't even know what the opposite would be just like prefer like stable income and kind of know what you're what you're doing every day I'm still trying to figure that out, man. I, and I, it's something I honestly ask myself almost every day. I would say <clears throat> I'm, I'm a little bit of a kind of like bipolar when it comes to this <laughs> because I, I want to be self-employed and, and make money based off of something that I create, something that I put together. But then all I've known is the security of a of being on someone else's payroll. And so there's like this is so it's like, yeah, that's what I want is to be self employed and everything, but that's what I say that I want. I haven't actually experienced it. So it's like, do you do you really want that or would you prefer the and I, I wanna say st- stability and security of a nine to five, but then again the reality is is that you know, you could get let go at any time with that too. And so that it goes both ways. Let me just, I'll put it this way. My long-term goal, like when I'm 50, I don't want to be working for somebody else anymore. And again, kind of we, now that we've had our, our second child, we really don't plan on having any more kids. We, I'm not saying we, we won't, but that's not really, we're, let me just put it this way. We're strongly, we're strongly, strongly just leaning towards just sticking with the two that we have and and so I'm kind of thinking about the next chapter of my life as far as because uh one thing that I'm kind of jealous of both of you is and I guess both of you guys are still pretty young but we had kids so quick like right after we got married that that kind of became our life for for that has been our life for the the past several years Whereas I see like other people that are still fairly young, they're growing in their careers and, but they don't have any kids or they're not even married. And I, I really, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm thankful for where we're at as far as establishing our family. And now for, for myself, just kind of looking at the next chapter of my life, I'm getting into my, I'm, I'm 31 now. I, it's time to focus on like career and, and business and kind of growing and, and being able to take care of the family, take care of what we have. And I'm really looking, just in the next decade, I'm really looking to make some some changes career-wise. When I say career, I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, corporately. I want it to be more something that I, that I actually start or something that I'm investing in. And I'm still, I'm still, and, and I don't want to be thinking forever, but I'm, I'm considering that a lot and exactly what is that going to look like? What are, what are my options there? But my weakness is I could, I could think until I'm a hundred years old. And that's, that's what I'm trying to, I, I need to just start something is really what it comes down to. Hey, you started the podcast and this has gone well, but I, yes, I did. But, uh, I, I do give Braden some credit for that. Um, he, he helped me get it started. So I, I, uh, but yeah, so, but I, I do appreciate that. 
I mean, there's pros and cons to, yeah, doing your own thing. I mean, there's, there's definitely, there's a lot of days actually I'm like, man, I just, I wish I had a boss to tell me what to yeah. do next. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, yeah, there's days I'll wake up and I'm like, you know, a little bit overwhelmed and not even sure what to do, what to focus on. It's like, man, it'd be nice to just have like, okay, this is your task today. Kyle, yeah. do this and complete it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely pros and cons. Eric, I feel like you are an undercover entrepreneur. I mean, like, yeah, oh, you yeah. have your, your, you have your steady job, but I know you've got the bug itching. Do you, we've talked about this a little bit, but is that still something you see, you know, 10, 15 years down the road where you'll, your nursing career will be a little bit thrown to the side and you'll be focusing more on other stuff? Or is it always going to be like, I'm, you know, my nursing career is my thing. And then maybe just dabble on the side. I mean, ideally, I'd love to keep my career working in the ER. I think it's it's a ton of fun for me. You get to see all the chaos. It gets your adrenaline going. Um, you get to take care of people. But, yeah, I also think I, ideally I wouldn't have to depend on my career for my income, you know, whether that's through real estate, through a drive through coffee chain. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think there's a ton of good opportunities. And that's the cool thing about at least nursing, um, or most nursing jobs, obviously there's those that are eight to five banker hours, but I only have to work three days a week, work in 12s. Um, so, and, that, and that's the thing too, if I got to the point where I wouldn't be depending on it, for my income, I could honestly drop down a PRN or part-time and only work one day a week or two days a week, and then be able to do real estate the other days or whatever um, business. So yeah, I, I mean, ideally, Ideally, I won't be depending on nursing in the long run because um, it can burn you out too, especially when you have to be there. And it's like three days a week doesn't feel bad, but um, at least with the environment I'm in, with the size of the hospital I'm in and how busy we are, it's pretty high stress. So it's like yeah. I'm usually out to the max by the time I get out of there for the third day that week. So, yeah, it would be kind of cool though to just be able to do it when you want to. Yeah. Would you guys say, and I... And part of the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I, I, uh, I feel guilty, like I'm giving into fear too much. But then, just let me just kind of run this past you. I, I do feel like there is just more risk involved when, it, if you do have kids, when it comes to gambling with your income. There's more at stake there. Whereas when you don't have kids, you can afford to kind of slip by with not making a whole lot of money or, or, or going into deeper debt. And, um, when, when you, you know, when you have kids, there's just a lot more to consider. But with that being said, I'm really trying to be careful because I don't, I don't want that mentality to hold me back. Yeah. I mean, you have to eventually just jump and, you know, and, and hope it works out. But I think that there's a lot of preparation you can do in, in advance of that. Um, you know, yeah, you're, I think that the, every day that goes by, it's, it's going to be harder and harder to pull the trigger on something. It's not going to get easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to get easier. Like now is the time to fail when you're younger, but I also don't have two, you know, I don't have kids. So, you know, I can't really speak to that. And I started pretty young, you know, doing what I'm doing. So it's like, I'm to the point now where it's, it's fairly certain that I'll succeed at what I'm doing. So I don't have, have as succeeded. much of a. Well, yeah. What, what's success to you? Yeah. Yeah. It's relative. Right. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I would be more hesitant. Like if I was you and, you know, I had kids and, you know, have a, a good stable job, it would definitely be harder for me to pull the trigger. But I also operate a lot on the fear of regret. Hmm. I just, I, I'm constantly thinking about myself at like 70, 80 years old, looking back at my life and thinking about like, man, why didn't I just pull the trigger on this? Why didn't I just do that? Because like every opportunity in my life that I've taken, I've never regret it. You know, and the, even if it fails, it's like the faster I fail, the quicker I find the next thing yeah. that works. Yeah. And so I'm just like, you just got to take the chances while you can. I mean, obviously you have to be responsible because you have a family, but do whatever you can to like not have that regret in the future of like, why didn't I just do that? Yeah. I think that's a great way to have the right perspective is like you said, Kyle, imagine yourself at 70, 80 years old and think about what you would have done to or imagine yourself in that, that place. And like, like if you're that age, what would you wish you would have done more of or less of, or what risks do you, you think you, that you'll wish that you would have taken and, and respond accordingly today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I struggle with also, and maybe I brought this up before, but like the, you know, especially, you know, across the pulpit, you hear like, you need to be content with what you're doing or content with where you're at, maybe financially. And, you know, I, I struggle with that a lot because I'm like, I know God gave us ambition for a reason. And I don't think he asked us to live a life of like mediocrity, mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like that balance of like, okay, I want to push, I want to find my passion and go after my dreams, but then also be like content with God, what God gave me. It's like, I don't know where that line is. I, f- I ask myself that every day, you know, where that line is, because I don't know. I was trying to find a quote I found on Instagram the other day. Um, it was something to like, I don't know, something similar to like, basically like you're either going to experience the pain of growth and change mm. or you'll experience the pain of regret. That's kind of, yeah. Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, because basically his thing was like, you're going to feel pain no matter what you choose to do in life um, with every situation, but which pain, you know, are you going to choose basically? Yeah, right. As more of a positive outcome than the other. So I always have to remind myself of that because some things, including my schoolwork, I freaking hate school, but it's like I realize that in my career, it'll benefit me in the long run. Um, Yeah. It's like super frustrating because Lane and I'm a lot like you with especially college education. A lot of it is just stupid and pointless, but I think there's value in it just for me to learn discipline, you know. That's good. That's yeah, good. for sure. I mean, it's, it, you know, the, the cliche sayings are so true, but it's like, you know, no pain, no gain. And, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. Like all that stuff is yeah. so true. And like, yeah, every time you go push yourself, whatever it is, like you level up your schooling or you start the podcast, whatever it is, it's like, it gives you more tools to work with in the future with like the next thing that you start, the next thing you do. It's like, oh, I remember this system or process that worked when I did this. So let's implement it. And it's like, you just start to, your the snowball starts to just speed up, you know, as you, as you progress through failure, um, yeah, it's like, oh, what's um, 
the flywheel effect, right? So the flywheel effect is like the bigger the flywheel gets, the more that you add to it. It's like, and I'm, I'm thinking this in the context of like experience and going through failure. It's like the faster the flywheel is going to start to spin, you know, you just gotta, just gotta push past that initial fear of doing it. It's the hardest part. Have you guys seen the quote? You're either getting, make sure I say it right. You're either getting paid for the decisions you made years ago, or you're paying for this, for the decisions that you made years ago. I like that. Yeah. So true. I mean, there's, there's also like the, I mean, more in the financial aspect of it, it's like, sure, you can, you know, be shooting for success, try to grow, 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 like always be planning for the future, like way out in the future. But it's like, you also have to be living at the same time too. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like a balance, like you got to enjoy present. life, right? So, you know, spend time with your family, spend your money, you know, traveling, you know, spending your money on your family. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely one that probably overthinks the future too much. Like I said, I'm a lot of the times thinking about how am I going to be thinking about myself, you know, 75, 80 years old, maybe I won't even live that long, but that's just kind of the lens that I look through. I think that going back to what you were saying earlier, Kyle, with being content and what does that mean? And like, if, if you're supposed to be content with what God gave you, I would say that's a good way to check yourself is, is, um, are you enjoying those moments in the present? And like in those, those moments where you are present, are you truly enjoying it? Are you able to enjoy it? Are you grateful? Or in those moments where you're kind of forced to, to be present and, and kind of be in the moment and you can't work on the future? Are you angry? Are you not happy with what you have? I think that's, well, so maybe what I'm trying to say here is it's more of a mindset thing. It's not a literal what you physically have type of thing. It's more of a, of, of a perspective because I, what I'm trying to say is I think you truly can enjoy what you have in the moment and simultaneously be striving for something better. I think that's a good place to for be. sure. Oh I, yeah. I love that. It's such a good reminder. I mean, that is definitely a struggle of mine. It's like, I might have a massive win in real estate or my business and the next day be so worried about the future and like, you know, thinking about what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And I'm not even enjoying the moment. Mm. So it's it like, what's it all worth? Joy. Right. What's the point if you're not enjoying the moment? It's such a good reminder. I think that's the way I need to be careful because I feel like I, I harp on, I harp on, um, the church, capital C church. I've done it a couple of times on, on the show. I need to be careful, but I think that's a, and I'll, but I'll, I'll put myself in the same boat. I'll say we can kind of get that perspective. We, we, we look at certain scriptures and it becomes, we make it out to be a literal physical thing where it's actually more with, of an issue of the mind and the heart. And so then we, we demonize literal physical things when it's like, it's, it's not so much, like I, I said before, certain things are not necessarily wrong in of themselves it's more about how they're used and then it's also what i'm saying right now is it's what's your mental approach to this what's your perspective of it what's your attitude towards it i think that's more what scripture is talking about versus 
literal physical things. Like like modesty, for example. With we interpret a lot as like, well, it's how much how much are you covered? How much skin are you showing? I think it's more of a mental thing. Are you trying to draw attention to yourself? In your in your mind, are you attention seeking and wanting to glorify yourself? I think that's more of what it's referring to. So how would you react to me pulling up in a Lamborghini to church or to any event, really? Do you feel like, is that one of those, would you be asked, would you be saying like, oh, he's just trying to show off like his, you know, image and, or is it more of, would you say like, oh, like in his heart, maybe he's, maybe he's modest and he's, I don't know. I don't actually know what my question is, but I, in, in a dumbed down version of that, I've been contemplating like, you know, like I would love to drive a nice, nice vehicle at some point and just thinking about like, is that right or wrong? And like, where's my heart in heart in this? Um, you know, like I would love to drive a really nice truck. I would love to have like a, a Ford Raptor or like a nice diesel power stroke or something. And it's like, okay, where's my heart? Am I trying to be flashy or is this something that I just truly want? And how would other people perceive me? Well, personally, I need a Lamborghini. So. <laughs> but you, you need one that, to get to the hospital on time? Yeah, like I got lives to save, okay? Every second counts. <laughs> I can support that. My first reaction to you, Graham, would be like, wow, he could have afforded a Bugatti, but instead he bought <laughs> a Lambo, like a third, or a third, like probably a tenth the price. Oh, good one. So he has good to be one. a humble guy. <laughs> I I think it's... Um, no, I, I think that's the the mentality of a pessimistic judgmental fool to think that if somebody pulls up in a Lamborghini that they're automatically full of themselves and, and proud. I think you can be just as proud in that as you can be in a, you know, a, a, a beat up, you know, rust bucket BM or uh, Buick, you know, from the seventies mm-hmm. or something. And uh, again, it's more, it's a matter of a matter of the heart. And I think, a lot of it, what it comes down to is if nobody was around, would you still do it? That's something I think about. That's a good question. If, no one, if you were the only person in the world, like if you lived out in the, I mean, not in the world, but if you lived like out in the desert or something, there's no one else there, would you still do it? Would you still? And, uh, but then again, sometimes I do things or I post things as, to be, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to use the word inspire, but I like to show that it can be done. And like for me, I just I hate the excuse like, well, I've got kids and a family, so that's why I'm fat, and that's why I don't have time for that anymore. And so, I make it a point to. Um, like, yeah, no, I, I still work out. I still take care of how I eat because, as I've said before, it, it matters more when you have kids and a family. And 
um, I have to continually check myself. Am I doing this just for validation or just, just to get attention? I can, I'm constantly asking myself that, but the problem is, is that people often don't believe things that they don't see and they, or they, maybe I should say it in this, rephrase that in that they do things based off of what they observe other people doing. It's like, well, all my friends, they got married, had kids and got, got fat and quit taking care of themselves. And so that's just what you do. And they, and it's a subconscious thing as well. That's just what you do now. You don't, you're married. You're not out there getting girls anymore. So uh, I'm like, well, yeah, you're married. You don't, you don't want to impress your wife. Uh, that's, that's how I think. Um, although I don't think my, I don't think my wife cares how I look. <laughs> you've been doing it all wrong. What'd you say, Kyle? So you've been doing it all oh. wrong. Now you're thinking about it. You might as well get fat. Eric, what'd you say? I said, what if your wife enjoys the dad bod? That's not a wife I want to be with. <laughs> um, I can assure I, you she doesn't, but. <laughs> what'd you say? I said, I can assure you my mom does not, or my wife does not appreciate the dad okay. bod. Okay. <laughs> that I say that in jest because that's like a joke I've made to my wife. Is like, I was like, I don't like that you, you give a crap at. <laughs> If I'm in shape or not, she's like, "Oh yeah, I do." <laughs> but um, anyway, the whole thing I'm trying to say is, is um, I, part of it's it's setting an example and showing people what it, what can be done. That could be with fitness. It can be with the money you make. It can be with the, with the things that you have. And so much of of what we do is subconscious, and that that's just what this this is the status quo. This is the norm. A lot of people are not entrepreneurs and don't make their own money because the normal thing is to work a nine to five, get drunk on you know on the weekends, and um, sleep in on a day off, and um, spend your Saturdays watching football, and that's the norm. That's what everybody does. And then you wonder why everybody's depressed and fat and unhealthy, and yeah. <laughs> um. And so I think it's important for people to see something that's high, that's a higher standard. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I heard someone talking recently who was, you know, fairly successful. He's like, you're always going to be upsetting people. And especially as you start to achieve some level of success, like you're going to definitely be taking a lot of people off. And that's something that I, you know, I, I definitely struggle with caring too much what people think of me. And especially in the environment I grew up in, a fairly conservative environment where, you know, like what you wear, what you, what you live in, what you drive, it's like you kind of almost feel judged by it. Like, you know, the, the town I live in, it's very, very conservative. And, but it's, it's also like kind of relative, you know, like, you know, <laughs> Eric pulls up in his, his Lambo and uh and yeah like you know if his whole where he lives everyone's driving a lambo lambo it's not a big deal right yeah, yeah. you know it's it's kind of relative you have an audi no. don't you baylor <laughs> yeah not that nice of one but i believe grim does too so <laughs> uh, same same i actually it's and, it's kind of it, it's funny how brands and and such you know, put an image in your head, like, Oh, you drive a Lambo or like, um, before not a Lambo, you drive an Audi. And before that, um, I had a, a Cadillac CTS mm, yeah. and it was like a 2000, I think it was like a 2008 or 2009 or something. And I kid you not that blue book value was like, like six or 7,000. 
And same with our Audi, like we would sell it right now for probably four or 5,000. Wow. But still it's like the brand people are like, oh, like you drive, you know, this car. I'm like, yeah, it's actually a rebuilt title, uh, has 150,000 miles on it and is a 2010. Mm. So it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Baylor's is pretty new though, isn't it? Yeah. Newer. Let's... Newer. Yeah. Eric, what's up with that? <laughs> Being too flashy. Let's talk about that. No, my Audi though, dude, that thing gets over 50 miles per gallon. If I'm not driving it fast, it's a diesel. So that's the reason. Yeah. So yeah, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't even know they made diesel. Yeah. TDI. I mean, it's the same as like a um, Volkswagen golf diesel. Um, or pretty similar at least, obviously. Did you know Volkswagen owns Audi? They own like Audi. Um, they own Bugatti, own Lamborghini. Man. Yeah, I know absolutely nothing about cars. Like I I'm not a car guy at all. So I I don't know anything about all that. Listen to Max Training's podcast with Joe. Uh what whatever his last name is. The that, giraffe? Yeah. <laughs> That was a very interesting podcast because he talks. He knows a lot. He he's the car guy, yeah. and he's buying cars that will go up in value. My and, cars, which granted a lot have in the last two that's, years. That's true. that's true. Yeah, just wait, Eric. The bubble is popping as we speak. Yeah, hopefully. So, question for you guys: similar on the lines of you know you know buying buying flashy things and you know, should you do that? Is it is it to get attention? Whatever. Is it wrong to buy things purely for yourself? Meaning like, and I'm asking this, not necessarily having an answer in mind. It's just something that kind of popped into my head and something I've I've thought of in the past. Purely for your own enjoyment. Can you give an example? Well, I think the car is like an example. I think there's, there's those, there's those guys, they're, they're retired or whatever. And they have this, this car that's their baby. And they just love this car. This is the car that they wax every morning or every Saturday morning. And they they go drive up to, to get coffee or whatever. And it just just having this car, it just brings them joy. And it has nothing, what I'm trying to say is it has nothing to do with being better than somebody else or showing it off. And I'm sure they love showing it to their friends and they're so excited about it. But it's not, it's because they love it. It's not because they're trying to be better than anybody else. And... I don't know if maybe that's maybe that's not the greatest example, like maybe a handgun or something. <laughs> that's a tool. Is that what you're actually thinking? About? No, no, it's it's really okay. not. I think I, I was just. There's the answer, that, I don't think it's I don't think it's inherently wrong to have a desire to have nice things. Um, I think if your your desire to have nice things is fueled off of your desire to show other people, look what I have, look what I've done. Like, yeah, I could say, I would say that's probably questionable. Yeah. Like for me, I, I don't think I'll ever own a Lamborghini, but I seriously appreciate Lamborghinis, the way they're designed, the way they're built. I mean, Bugatti is a whole nother level, right? But, and there's other vehicles like the Porsche 911. I would love to have a Porsche 911 convertible to go cruise the coast of Florida, South Carolina with Erica. Like I would love that, you know, and that that's not, I don't feel like that desire is wrong, mm-hmm. right? That's not like a prideful, like, look at what I've afforded, you know? Granted, it's like you have people that definitely drive a Lambo and go drive it right down Main Street just to rev the engine and 
make people turn their heads you know mm-hmm. i would question that like lifestyle with nice things and that's just, that's just with like a car example right but i mean i know there's people that own maui condos right like pretty close to the ocean i don't know anyone that owns the ocean front but regardless them condos are like one bedroom one bath and are worth like probably one to two million dollars and they're extremely nice whatever i think that's great like if you can afford that and you really enjoy going to hawaii go for it because i think the other thing too is like for myself like when i was younger i was really quick to judge people who owned really nice things whether that was cars property i mean i grew up in central illinois so if you owned a lot of nice farm equipment that was like oh they got money you know but i think also over time you start realizing that a lot of the people that have these things a lot of them are some of the most giving too Absolutely. percentage wise they outgive me by a mile they put me to shame you know and granted there's ones that don't there's ones that probably give nothing and keep it all for themselves and i mean i in my my opinion they're going to answer for that right um but like for my convictions it's like when i see someone with something nice i'm a lot slower to judge now than i used to be probably just because of the fact that it's like a lot of them people also give a lot more than we could ever imagine and you don't see that nobody sees that they just see what they have well and working in healthcare, it's like especially at the hospital i'm at right now it's inner city atlanta it's grady hospital so it's a huge trauma center and the marcus family um they bernie marcus is one of the ones that started home depot the dude's worth billions obviously his whole family is um but they have given like insane amounts to grady hospital and probably numerous other organizations and it's like they live in really nice houses but proportional to what i earn and give like my house is way nicer you know what i mean like for my means of income versus theirs like because what they could afford would be like insanity versus what they choose to live in you know what i mean so it's like i don't know i feel like i can a lot of times like look at these huge mansions and whatever and you'll hear comments like oh think what else that money could be used for but is what we don't realize is how much like they a lot of them people give like literally a majority of their money like the marcuses have given over half of their income like yeah. that's insane i, I wouldn't i have ever given half of my income like my total income or savings you know so yeah. i think that's to answer your question though it's like i don't i don't personally feel like there's anything wrong with having like nicer things especially when it's like something you truly enjoy like if mm-hmm. you enjoy the history behind Lamborghini or Porsche or whatever. There's a lot of cool family history behind those companies and you appreciate that. I think great. Like if you can afford it, then yeah, I I don't personally feel like there's anything wrong with owning those things. But also I think we're also right called to um, give of our money and time and stuff like that. And it's like, how are we doing with that too? You know, I think you have those things in check. It's like, that's what it's all about. And that's, I guess that's for me, it's like, yeah, you can't really ever tell unless you know the person's finances, but yeah, I feel like it's super easy to judge someone, but you don't know the other 99% of their life story and what they've done with their time and money, you know? And a lot of what you can, the material things that you can have, they can be utilized to, either give to others as a way as a means of giving to others or as as a way of of creating memories with those you love like for example you know Kent Heimer has 
however many acres of hunting property that he has and and um but in and like the the cabin and that place is just set up it's a hunter's dream but think of all the memories he's made with his family all the people yep. he's brought to the farm there to like he he allows them to hunt there the memories that they can make and he's giving other people that experience and that's that whole property is, is worth millions and then like what eric was saying about like the convertible and everything what did he also bring into that he brought in his wife and like an environment like where they the way they were going to go so it was not just about the car it was about the experience and making the memories and that that involves other people and enjoying time with other people so those are things that i think we we all can consider it's like how can this be utilized and then also it doesn't mean you're the only one reaping the benefit of it yeah yeah it's I feel like it's going to be harder and harder as time goes on to not be judged for, you know, some of the extravagant spending, maybe, you know, like buying a nice car. It's like, in especially in the world that I'm in, um, like in the real estate space, there's a lot of hate towards landowners, towards real estate owners. And there's, you know, all these people, you know, saying that, you know, the rich are, well, and I do agree to the, to some extent of this that, you know, the, the wealthy, like are just getting wealthier and there's this gap that is actually pretty scary, but it's like, you know, these people who have created the jobs, like the Jeff, you know, Bezos of the world and the Elon Musk, like think of like, sure. Yeah. He bought, you know, Jeff has a, you know, well over a hundred million dollar yacht, but think about the jobs that provided, think about, um, the boost, the economy that has created, think about what he has created as a company you know, sure. Like there's, there's arguments on both sides, but you know, I think also it all goes back to like relativity. I mean, you know, like someone owning a Porsche 911, you know, if they're worth, you know, $50 million, that Porsche is like me going and buying, you know, a Toyota Corolla or, or whatever. Right. So it's just like relative. Yeah. Did you see that? Go ahead. Good. No, I, I was just going to go back to your original question. Can you um, ask that question again? And were you were you talking in terms of like the, when you asked the question? I guess I was thinking you were asking specifically, like, like in your marriage, just mm. specifically, like, is it okay for me to buy nice things just myself and be like, you know, selfish with the money, you know, f- between the two of us, like, buy something for myself? Or were you talking more just in the big picture, like, is it cool for me to buy something? nice just period i think i was just saying more just buying something nice nice period okay um i guess that's a yeah that that's more what it would because the alternative you were saying more just like selfishly in your marriage not necessarily selfishly but like this is just for you like in a marriage or something Correct. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking because we were, had kind of been talking about like finances between the spouses and stuff. I was, I was wondering if that's what you meant. And I was going to kind of tell you the way that Devin and I do it, um, which is no means like the perfect way, but when we like want to make kind of like a selfish purchase. And for me, that would be, um, like for instance, I built an AR recently and like, that's a, that's a not a necessary expense. Like we don't need, I don't need I that. 
Yes, you do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe I should use another example. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but maybe, yeah. maybe for your family goals and stuff, what you're, what you're saying, right. I, I, I like, yeah, that's a whole other story. What you're saying for it's that like, particular example. Yeah. It's maybe not necessarily a necessity for the family. Like right. we could yeah, say I mean, it like is, we, but yeah, we have, we have financial goals and this AR that I'm building or this nice camera that I bought is not helping the, the goal. But it's something that like, you know, we both have our own desires. And so the way that we've done it and it's worked pretty well at this point is like, we just set aside a little bit of money each month for our own like selfish, like we literally say it's like our selfish desires. So like, you know, I might, yeah, I'll save up and spend money on like maybe a new piece of camera gear or, you know, a new toy or whatever it is. And that's worked well for us you know, to not, not spend that money. That's like, should be used for, you know, retirement or whatever. But, you know, to, to answer even, you know, the question of buying nice things in general, I think it really just goes back to your heart. You know, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, it just kind of depends on, you know, yeah. What are your intentions with it? Is it to show off? Is it to, you know, make people envious, or is it because you really enjoy nice things? Because the reality is, there are some people that are like that, and that's their goal is to make other people jealous. Yeah. And, but, I, and there can maybe be a little bit of that in what we do or what we have, but I think for the majority of people, it's just because they love it, just because they enjoy it. And I think I think maybe that's what I was trying to get at is from the outside we can look at somebody and be like oh they're they're trying to be flashy or show off but it's like maybe that's something they're really into like it's not it's like Baylor was saying maybe they enjoy the history behind that car there, there's something deeper there's a deeper value that it holds for them maybe it's something they've worked it represents the years that they have worked um, and, and sacrificed to gain whatever and this was something that kind of represents that that investment so there can be multiple factors but what i'm I'm saying is just like it's a it means something deeper than just what we see yeah and i mean kind of like eric what eric was saying earlier with you know some of the people that have been given a lot also give a lot Mm -hmm. of course we'll never know and so i think that's the reason why we're not called to judge people like we just don't know and, and something that I keep in mind a lot is like, you know, the verse that talks about who much is given, much will be required. So, you know, if God does bless you with a lot, you know, if you are to be financially successful or not even financially successful, physically successful, um, how can you use that, you know, for the better? And and it's just not our place to judge people. You know, we might we might know of someone who's making a ton of money or successful in some aspect of their life. And you're like, man, you know, are they really, are they giving, are they using their time wisely? And I just like, man, we just got to stop judging. It's easy for me to do. Yeah. Kyle, when you're talking about how it's, it's relative as far as like how much you're spending or how much you're versus how much you're, it's relative to how much you're making. Is it a lot? Well, it's how much are you making? And there was a, a video I saw recently of um, Dave Dave Ramsey call like on his show. This guy called and said his car payment was thirty two hundred dollars. That's right, thirty two hundred dollars a month. And 
and it was a shoot, I can't remember what the car was, but the guy was making three hundred and twenty grand a month. And the kid was like twenty four. It was <laughs> I admit I got a little jealous there. <laughs> but yeah. so yeah, it's like to him that's chump change. Now, yeah, I mean that's again, yeah, rel it's so relative. I mean that that purchase or that payment is pretty small. It was a Rolls Royce or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, sorry, keep going. So yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Is that if you're making that level of money, what do you think? Is it right or wrong to to buy a car like that? I mean, what are your thoughts? I think once again, it comes back to like, what's your reason for it, right? I mean, a lot of Rolls Royces, they're going to maintain their value. Mm -hmm. So I feel like investment wise, you could buy a brand new Toyota that's going to depreciate a lot more than that Rolls Royce will. Um, and ultimately, from that perspective, the Toyota is a worse investment. And I probably shouldn't use Toyotas because Toyota usually don't depreciate as quickly as like Chevy Ford. But like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of vehicles that will depreciate really quickly. And it's like, you can sit there and buy a Rolls Royce that in 50 years from now will be worth more than you even paid for it brand new. Yeah. You know? So I, and then once again, what's your reason for, for wanting that? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Is it, is it putting you dramatically into debt and is, right. it, is it making you having to sacrifice being able to pay for something for your kids or for your, your family? Are you able to still provide? And so I, I think it's not so much it's buying the car in itself is not right or wrong. It's yeah. It's what are you having to give in order to have it? And what does it do to you mentally? Right. And how, how does it um, affect how you look at others? True. To answer your question, no, it's not wrong. To yeah. own that. <laughs> the reason for why you're wanting to own it is. But, but maybe the, the problem is, and this is kind of what I was trying to say earlier, I don't, maybe that's not the right question is it's not, it's not a matter of, is it right or wrong? It's, are you right or wrong? Yeah, true. What else you guys got? I think it's safe to say that I'll never own a Rolls Royce, but... <laughs> Never say never. You're young. Mainly because I have no desire to. But well, there you go. Some of the cars you could ever buy, but you that's my, also my opinion. I recently found my dream car. I uh, like something I'm like, I would love to have that. And I haven't really had that happen in my past life. Dang it. What now is I, it? Now I can't remember how to spell it. I'm trying to look it up. At one uh, point, Landon, when we lived together, you wanted a, uh, didn't you want like a Hellcat or something? Yeah, I or I, I wanted a Challenger, Dodge Challenger. Okay. Let me share this with you guys. So I think you pronounce it Razvani. This thing. <sighs> like, I think my heart rate actually what went up the first, the the first time that? I saw this. I was like... Where? I want this. Like, this is the first, like, yeah, Lambos are cool. 
Maseratis are cool, Ferraris are cool, whatever, but I, I, that's just never my thing. So, again, that's just not me. I saw this and I was like, this is me. I could get down with this. Wow. So, never seen that before. The first time I saw this, it must be a fairly, look at the, 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 the back. And they have this version too. Let me get some, some better pictures here. So, the, I, you see that, how would you guys say that? Rezvani, R E Z A R E Z V A N I. Yeah, I think, you know, actually I follow a YouTuber who bought one of these. He has that one, the 6x6. It's nuts. Um, the military edition. Yeah. The, yeah, the, and, oh, uh, man. Yeah. Next, um, Jamie Foxx and Chris Brown both own one of those. I saw that, yeah. Jamie Foxx, his, his is the first I've ever seen of a Resvani. That's what made me aware of him. What made me aware of him, I was watching the Terminal List and uh, some of the contractors were driving these bad boys and i was like what is this i had to look it up but the the you know the show with chris pratt the terminalist look at the look at the back end that is the dopest looking it's like bulletproof it actually shoots out like uh like smoke or steam out the back in case if someone's pursuing you (laughs) it's so cool to throw banana peels out the back too (laughs) Oil spills Mario Kart. What does this thing cost? That's what I want to know. It's actually not terrible. I think it's just it's, 250, uh, 300. Well, yeah, 175. Starting at 175. What'd you say? I said 175 for like the front left tire or what? <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, so, uh, that's uh I guess it's it's terrible. We're not talking like Rolls Royce terrible, but if, the six one's pretty <laughs> extreme. What did you say? The six, the six um, axle one or the six. Oh yeah, three. that one's a bit much for me. It's just not very practical. I don't think. I feel like that'd be it'd be so expensive to maintain. Oh my, that's even worse. Never mind. Try three sixty. Oh yeah, yeah. This is four fifty nine. But yeah, the so the the. The OG, like the base model of the tank, is one seventy five, and then the military edition is is two fifty nine. But and I love how it says it's built for civilians. I love, I love military things that are for civilians. Did you spell it so the listeners could Google this thing? Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Didn't I already? Yeah, R- you did. R e z v a n i. And the model we're looking at is the tank, Rizvani tank. Well, there's there's the tank military edition, and then there's the Hercules, which is the six by six, which is basically a truck, like a semi without the trailer. <laughs> but this is a dope vehicle. All right, Landon, what are your goals and plans to make this happen? <laughs> I want to hear a step by step process. What's what's the vision here? Have I told when you about my it? about my shooting range franchise idea? No, I don't know if I want to share here because I might, I might give somebody else an idea and they'll, they'll steal it from me. But um, I, I, I have this idea of starting like an indoor shooting franchise, similar to like, because in my line of work, it's fitness boutiques, fitness franchises. So you know, yoga studios, Pilates studios, and so on. And. I would use a similar model only with in, an indoor shooting range. Like the the business model would be similar in regards to you would have because instead of people coming to take classes like like in a fitness studio they're coming to 
have time on the range or when we could also have classes. And so it, it would kind of be a good, like with a gym, you could have like an open gym plus classes. Well, here you could have like open shooting time where you're paying a monthly fee to shoot, or you could pay additional for a shooting class. And, um, I have, I have like some like memberships plan put together, uh, membership plans put together as far as how they, how they would pay and so forth. And it'd be fairly, fairly simple, no gun sales, no ammo sales, just cause that requires a lot more licensing and there's a lot more hoops you have to jump through and more, uh, legal issues that all that stuff you have to worry about. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's cool. Idea that I, I mean, have. is, is that something you don't necessarily have to turn that into a franchise, right? You could just open one and see how, see how it works. And then that's where it would start, you know, two okay. to two to five locations, see how they go. And then, or maybe five's a bit much, but, you know, you know, two, two to four. And then if, um, they're going well, but are you talking franchise. when you say franchise? Are you talking open it up to a, to someone like me being like, hey, I want to open one of these? Yeah. Okay. The, the goal would be just because my my goal is I want more people to not just be gun owners but actually shooters, and so just like how you see <clears throat> gas stations everywhere, I want there to be guns gun ranges everywhere where people can go and shoot because we've got way too many gun owners in this country that we don't have too many gun owners, but we have too many gun owners that don't shoot. I want more shooters, not just gun owners. So it's a way to promote my my agenda of that's interesting. You know, and I feel like that is the type of business that would work well in a smaller market because, you know, a lot of times in these smaller, you know, markets like where you live, where I live, there's a lot of conservatives who are gun owners and there's not a whole lot to do mm -hmm. in our in our towns. And introducing things like that. I think and could really go over. It's not a bad idea. I'm let's let's do it. I'll invest. You'll invest. Fantastic. That's a really good idea. Really? I I have a little. I have what's that? You might want to edit that out. Yeah, that's why I, I mean, said, <laughs> Landon. I'm trying to think about this. I mean, as far as like overhead goes, because everyone's providing their own own ammo their own guns mm -hmm. so literally your overhead cost is the cost of, to maintain the building and pay your employees that was right? that was part of my plan and i could just be i could just be blowing smoke down these said it but no that was part of my plan is like i don't want to sell a whole lot of we might sell some, like you know targets you know ears and i you know like the ear ear uh ear muffs and earplugs and stuff like that and glasses the basics just so they can shoot in the range but i don't the goal would be to not have a whole lot of overhead yeah, that, that makes hey, it I'm, easier to franchise. I'm in. Landon, ask me to be your business partner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a little a little basic business plan written up. I'll have to send it for you, send it to you to uh, critique. I love it. And then I would just need Braden to hook me up with some some liability insurance. That would be high. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that could be mobile. So the cool thing is with the role that I have is I, I, I've seen, I've got to witness the different franchises that are our customers and kind of see how they, how they take care of their, their business partners, their franchise partners. And, and I would do it similar, similarly in how we would have a team help them find the building. Um, we'd have a team help them with the legal issues. We'd have a team that would, so it's, but then again, that's what they're they're paying us for, right? That's, that's how the, the franchise works. So the goal would be to make this an appealing 
business model that franchise partners would want to buy into. But I would have to create a model that's that can be utilized in a, in a variety of environments to where it's like, hey, if you if you have X, Y, and Z in order, this model will work in pretty much any any environment, any state, any city. And and of course, is like if, if you're a shooting range, you probably can't be. You got to be this far away from residential area or a school. There, there's going to be those kinds of issues, but. Those are the kinds of things that we would want to have ironed out and in place to where who's ever buying the franchise or in the franchise, that's we take care of that for them. Those decisions are that research has already been done. They don't have to look into that. It's just a matter of, hey, if you have our brand, we're going to take care of all this for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, before you, you're thinking pretty big right now. You just need to start one. Yeah. Just do one. Yeah. Start one, figure out the model that works and then think about a franchise. Yeah. Um, because like, yeah, a franchise, like the attractive thing, if I was to like open a McDonald's or a Burger King or, or whatever, it's like, you know, yeah, I can go m- open my own burger shop, but I'm paying for a proven model and exactly. for like the, yeah, your advice through that. So it's like for step number one is like starting your own figure figuring out how it can work and and you have to to your point you have to be able to prove that it can work because if you don't have any track record of uh, this is how we've been successful no one's going to invest in or become a franchise partner if they don't see some sort of track record that you've been able to be successful with this model you have to prove that has been successful and why it's been successful yeah so with a gun range i don't i've never been to one but is it typically something where you show up and you're paying like a one-time fee for like 30 minutes in the range or is it more of like a um you get so many rounds or, or how does that work? There's, there's a variety. That's typically how I've done is, is you go and you pay a, a flat rate. Most ranges will let you shoot as long as you want, as long as you, you pay to get in. Some of them do have limits. It, it's by the hour. Like if, if it's one hour, you pay this much. If you want to be there for all day, you have to pay this much. Or if you want to be there for, you know, to be there all day, but if you can be there for like longer than two hours or something, you have to pay more. And then most ranges are going to have a membership that you can get where, you pay X amount a month and you get to come, uh, you know, like four times a month or five times a month, something like that. Okay. Interesting. But it's what cool you- because it, there's a lot of parallels. I just started noticing, I was like, there's a lot of parallels here to the, the fitness boutiques because they, they yeah. operate the same way. You can pay a monthly fee, you can pay a drop-in fee, and you can take four classes a week, you can take unlimited classes a week, but it all comes down to how much you're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of gun owners out there. It's like you would draw in a certain crowd, but like, how could you also introduce like new people to the, to the sport? And my thought process is like, what could you almost pair this business with where it's like, you've got, you're offering not only, I guess you kind of already said you're going to offer like gun schooling or gun, gun classes with this, but also like what, what, you're into fitness. You How about you open like a side-by-side, like we got, you get your workout in first and then you come over here to the gun range. <laughs> Some all around tactical training. Exactly. Like, like uh, Tony Semenad, the real, I can't even, it's a tongue twister for me. The real world tactical guy. You guys know who he is. He's a first form athlete. Who? Who is it? Real world tactical. Here, let me. No, I don't know. I've I've is. actually met him. He's like, if you can call him a celebrity, he's one of the few guys I've met. 
there we go. Let me share my screen here so you can see this. Not much for, there we go. This guy. I don't think I've ever seen him in my life. Okay. <laughs> Baylor, Is he seen local him? in St. Louis? No, he, uh, I want to say he's in Florida. But he's yeah, he's sponsored by First Form, which is in St. Louis. But he is that kind of guy where he's into working out, lifting, but then also he's like a former SWAT guy. I don't believe he was ever in the military, but he was in law enforcement. And so he kind of combines the 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 lifting, the work at the workouts along with the firearms, you know, tactical drills and so forth. Self defense, he does you know MMA and martial arts. But Okay, Landon, I got it. I got it. Okay. What you need to do is, so you got your gun range, which is like inside in a building, but I'm, I'm still thinking, I'm like, how can you get people in there who have never shot a gun before and who have never saying. been in a gun range? And what about, <laughs> I, get, I'm, I don't actually think you should do this, but <laughs> what if you were to also set up, like, especially to introduce young people to the, to the world of shooting. What if you set up like also either like, laser tag or hmm. paintballing or something like that where you're hosting like kids parties like they're going paintballing or whatever so you're introducing this young crowd or new people to the sport and then like hey when you want to level up come over to the range and we'll show you how to shoot a real gun there you go i love it it's a great idea you know um you know, you know, paintball and airsoft and so forth, that can be kind of a gateway into real shooting. But then also they say like Call of Duty in video games has impacted firearms culture as well. Like like people get into guns because of Call of Duty or just video games in general. First person shooter games. For sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah laser tag and, and uh like airsoft or paintball, something like that, that could that could that'll do it as well. Yeah, you should probably not pair it with like alcohol. You know, that's probably a bad probably idea. Not. Alcohol and, yeah. and shooting guns. <laughs> you know, the axe throwing business has always been one that's yeah. kind of shocked me because <laughs> it's like people are going there to get trashed with their friends and then throw axes. I'm like, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> Baylor, you know who Real Tactical is, don't you? Yeah. Okay. No, I had actually seen videos of him before flipping, you know, the tractor tires and all that. So, yeah, he's he's fairly big on social media with those with those workouts. Yeah, no, that guy's a beast for sure. But, no, I think that idea is great though, Landon. I think yeah. you could. Yeah, that would you could make a good run with that. I think, especially if you stay out of like the sales of like ammo and all of that, because you get into that world, that's a whole nother level of expense with. Yeah, working with the government. And yeah, the re the retail side would have to be kept to a minimum. That would be the goal. Yep. And then, like we said, there's the legal factors as well. But all right, yeah, we can wrap it here, fellas. Um, anything else you want to add before we hop off? Let's get out there and kill it, boys. Yeah, Eric, enjoy your vacation. I love that. Kyle's flex. I'm full of Monday energy. You've seen too many pictures of the liver game. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's do it. I'm ready to go work work for that. What was that car called, Landon? Rizvani? Yep, I want one. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. Seriously, guys, thanks for this morning. You guys have a great day, okay? You too, yep. man. Talk to you soon.